Let's say amen. Huh? No, no. They're going on down. Good evening. Clarence is going to do the last part of this, the message, but I'm doing the first. And we're talking about restoration. When Clarence and I moved up here in January, one of the things we noticed was the amount of things that needed attention. And one of the things that I noticed right away was the porch that was on the back of the parsonage. And I brought these pictures of the porch. If you could just show them, because we don't have a fancy system Okay, we just have what we have, and we thank God for what we have. I don't get stopped because we don't have something. And I don't know if you've noticed that yet, but if we don't have it, that's okay, because we're just going to go ahead and do with what we got, because we have the Holy Ghost, and that's what's most important. Amen? So I made these pictures. This is when we moved in, and he'll bring it down so you can see it. But um, And there's her Facebook but you've already seen these. Um, this was the porch before. And I'm not, please don't feel, if you're a member of this church, you know, like, well, you know, she's not very grateful or whatever. I am very grateful for all of our blessings that we've received here. But this was before, and then this is after. And it needs restoration. I love to see things put in order. I love to see things put back the way they belong. I can't ignore things that need to be done. And I I could have ignored that porch, but we're walking through it all the time. We use the back door. I don't think we hardly ever use the front door, to be honest with you. So I had to make a decision. You know, can I ignore the neglect? Or do I hope that it just and, and make sure, you know, just it goes away, it goes away. Or do I deal with it? And I could have just dealt with it. I could have just taken a paintbrush and just painted over the dirt. Of course, if you see the picture, you'll see the light fixture. I don't know when that light fixture, I, I'd love to know when that was in style. Because it's, it's, it's just a box with two light bulbs in it. And I said, number one, I don't think that's safe. You know, number one, I'm always looking at things in safety mode. But the second thing is, is I don't, I don't ever remember any fixture like that ever being in style, to be honest with you. So, and that was in the front porch too, but the front porch is going to take a little more. But you can restore something and just throw a cheap coat of paint on it without cleaning it up underneath. And what happens after a couple of weeks is that paint starts to peel off because you can't put paint over dirt. If you've ever tried to just do something quick, you can't do that. And what you have to do without proper preparation, then that paint isn't going to stick. And then when we got the light fixture, because it was not the same shape as the square, then there were these little things sticking out. So we had to prime it first because there were things, little painty things sticking out. So with our lives, it's the same way. Sometimes we have things inside of our lives that aren't right, and we just sometimes try to just whitewash it. And, and the preachers are guilty of doing this to the congregation. 
You know, church leaders often call for unity in sermon and after sermon, and they say, oh, you know, you people have to get into unity. You know, and they put it in a condemning way, and I'm not, listen, I'm not picking on anybody. Do you understand that? I'm not picking on anybody. But I'm saying that as ministers, as leaders, we have to be careful that we're not sending a a note of condemnation from this pulpit and not giving people tools on how to do it. You know, how do I forgive, preacher? A lot of times they don't know themselves. So they're saying, you know, we've got to walk in unity. But the preacher doesn't know how to walk in unity because of issues inside of them. So we as preachers, we have to be careful that we're not um, condemning people, but we're giving them hope. We always have to be giving hope. This scripture has been used and abused in Philippians 3.13. It says, Brethren, I count it not myself to have apprehended, but I do this one thing. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And and a lot of preachers twist that and they say, you know, you just got to forget what's behind. It's like me walking through that porch every day just forgetting that, that it looks really crummy. You can't forget it. It's 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 there. You can't forget it. I can't forget it every time I flicked on that light and saw those two bulbs just hanging there. But we've used that scripture as saying, well, you know, just forgive and forget. Just move on. Just move on. And we can't do that. Some people, even entire congregations, are mired in past offenses. They're mired in strife, backbiting, gossip. And they don't know how to stop it. And I think in their heart, everybody doesn't want to be a part of the problem, right? Everybody doesn't want to be. You don't want to be the problem child in the congregation, right? You don't want to be that person that's the problem. But, man, some churches you step in and it's like getting into a whirlpool. It's like you can't help but be part of the problem with the spiritual atmosphere that's in a place. And see, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, but sometimes try as hard as you might. There's that stuff going on, and nobody's going forward because of the offense, the strife, the back. And it's like, did you, did you, did you? No, did you? Oh, yeah, I did. And it's just terrible. You know, small example, this morning I was supposed to open service, and I was chatting with Renee and we were having a good time, and I noticed Claire had started service. And there is an open door for an offense. Because you can say, well, I was supposed to start service. And what's he doing starting service? You know, little things like that. But come on, they go on every day in your mind. And then I thought, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, it wasn't like I had anything earth-shaking to say. We had gone over it, and I mentioned it at lunch. I said, did I, you know, why wasn't I starting service? I didn't, you know, was it because I wasn't in place? Because, you know, Renee and I were goofing off in the back talking. We should have been paying attention. But, you know, and he said, oh, he goes, I'm so sorry, I forgot. But see, it was a little thing. But it's those little things. We start building bricks. We start taking those little things. We start building 
and we build a wall. And it's like you can do that with your husband and wife. And it's like, well, Pat, Clarence just doesn't respect you. Oh, I see. And I could take that as an offense. And then it gets bigger and bigger with each word that goes by. And before you know it, you've got a brick wall between people. And that's what happens in people people with church. You know, we, we, get a, we get offended by something. And we don't know how to handle it. I think eventually we're going to do a boundaries, a section on boundaries. Because we just don't know, you know, how do you forgive and forget? How do you do that? I think we all sincerely want to do that, especially the forgetting part. Man, the things that have happened to me in churches, I want to just forget it. But then something will come up, and it's like, ooh, yeah, that reminds me of when. But see, I've opened up the door to that offense. And so how do we do that? Well, we're going to go that. First of all, Nobody's going forward until there's a validation or an acknowledgement that you've been hurt. Have you ever seen people that got really hurt, like in a bitter divorce? And you ask one of the, the, you'll ask the wife and you'll say, well, are you angry? And they'll go, oh, no, I'm not angry. And you know, you know, the guy cheated on her. The guy took all their money in the bank account. You know, she's on food stamps. Her, her kids are dressed in rags and it's like, you know, are you angry? Oh, no, no, I've forgiven. And now you know you're a liar. You know, unless you're a saint, a real saint. But see, we are afraid to say we're angry and we're upset. And when we do say we're angry and upset, it's usually not at the right person. You know, we're, we'll say, well, you know, if she offended me, I'm not going to her. I'm going to go to her and say, I'm offended. So we don't really know how to handle it because sometimes, let's face it, sometimes we're not safe people to go to. If I've been offended, I called Shirley a drama queen. I wasn't offending. but she And so she said, hey, by the way, she goes, what did you mean by that? And I said to Clarence, did I say that? And he goes, oh, yeah, you did. I heard you. <laughs> and I had to explain to her, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything wrong with it. But Shirley felt safe enough to ask me, what did you mean by that? So we have to be people that are safe. And, it, and, and then we moved on. You're not offended, right? <laughs> but we, we, we need to learn how to be able to go to, to have to be people that don't fly off the handle of somebody. You go to somebody with something. I mean, you think about those little tiny things, brick, 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 where, you know, Shirley could have been offended. Then she goes to Pete and she goes, well, that new preacher's wife just called me a drama queen. Can you believe it? And then she's on the phone. Hey, can you believe it? Drama queen. Oh. And instead of just coming to me, or how about if she comes to me and I go, well, what is your problem? What do you, what, what, you know, aren't you a big girl? So you can see how both ways there's problems. So we all have to come up to a level of maturity where, number one, we got to let some things roll off our back. In Matthew 5.22 
It says, but I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. When I saw that in the Bible, now I have never preached on that, and I saw this six months ago. And I said, wow, Lord, you even put that in the Bible. Because everybody's taught that there's always, there's no, there's never, um, you're always angry without a reason. There's always no good reason to be angry with your brother and sister. And that's what I've been taught, right? You know, so forgive them. Well, all right. That whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. All right? Without a cause. Angry without a cause. Do you know we can get angry without a cause? Some things just make us angry because our pride got hurt. Um, we want to be in control of something and something happens so that we're out of control of it. There's a lot of reasons why we can be angry without a cause. So we have to examine our own behavior as well, and, and stop so much examining other people's behavior. Amen? What a happy world that would be. But not always happen. Some wounds, church wounds happen all the time, and I've said this several times. If you've been in Christianity for longer than five minutes, you have probably been offended. We've all been offended. We've all got those bricks that we're building because we, we build with those rigid walls. We don't want to get hurt again, so we build up walls around us. Some of us don't even want church anymore. Church should be a happy place. Church should be a safe place. Church should be a place where you come in and, and you're fed and you feel good and you walk in and everything's in order. And if there's a problem, it's not like all, all over the church. It's handled the right way. There's scripture to handle problems. And you walk in and you feel safe. You know that if something happens, that the leaders are in control of the church and they're going to handle it. They're not going to let just things go rampant in the church because they, they're, they've already dealt with it. So church should be a safe place, but wounds happen. Some are malicious, some are accidental. I can break my legs two ways. I can break it skiing or you can come up and beat me up and break it. But either way, it has to be healed. Amen? Either way, it has to be dealt with. You know, church wounds are deep because we expect Christians to behave better than just the heathen. Okay? And that's not always the case. Have you noticed that sometimes the heathens act better than the church people? You know, why is that? Well, because we're all at different spiritual levels. We all get caught in things. Our backgrounds aren't the same. You know, I came from a background where there was alcohol, there was incest in my house, there was silence in my house. The way that you handled things was you just didn't say anything and, you know, you would hope it would go away. That's how I handled it. That's how my background was. You know, other people had, you know, the Wild West, you had big loud fights and shoot 'em ups and everything else and then you got at the table and everything was fine because you all got it out of your system. So everybody's background is different. Our personalities are different. The way we see things are different. So we have to take that account when we're dealing with other people that we, you know, where it says I walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Are, are the way we think are different. So what I say to you, I mean, calling Shirley a drama queen didn't 
was just, I was just joking with her at the time, whatever she had said. And, you know, to her, it might have been where somebody said that to her and deeply offended her, and she's not over it yet. And so now it's another brick in the wall for her. And now that might be the very tipping point where she says, I'm not going to that church anymore. But why is that? It's because it's the devil wants us to build those walls. You know, and if you've heard a preacher chastise wounded sheep, the preacher will say, well, Jesus didn't withdraw. He just went back out there and put himself out in a position to be hurt again. Has anybody ever heard that coming from the pulpit? Or just get over it. Love conquers all. You just didn't love enough in that situation. And you're supposed to forgive. But those are really, it doesn't help the situation. All it does is make us resent whoever's saying it. Or at least I do. Maybe I'm the only one that I need to minister to tonight. And these are all true statements because Jesus did get hurt and he did get back up. Jesus had a great boundary system, though. He didn't let people get under his skin. Jesus knew the heart of man. Jesus didn't. Jesus wasn't flattered and he didn't set himself up. Jesus knew how to handle people. He had great boundaries. But without acknowledging those hurts that you've been through, all those statements that just say, well, just forgive, you know, you got to forgive, you're Christian. Have you heard anybody said, well, I forgive you because God says I have to? You know, that, that's not really a, that's not really forgiving somebody. You're just kind of rubbing their nose into it in a wrong way that's saying, well, you know, you did wrong. But I'm going to be the bigger person and forgive you. You might as well just not have said anything because you just put more bricks on that wall. Statements like that bring condemnation and guilt, not healing. And you wonder why the body of Christ, not just here at Faith Assembly, but the body of Christ in a whole, you wonder why people are wounded, why they're the walking wounded, and they can't seem to get any better. They, they don't get relief from the bitterness in their soul because they haven't had directional teaching. And it says we cannot be ignorant in Second Corinthians. We cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices. Amen. And the devil is behind creating division. All you have to do is look at the news to see division. Look at what some of the divisions that he's created in race, black versus white. You know, they have something, it's white privilege now. Income, rich versus poor. Geographical, country versus city. I heard somebody on NPR, it wasn't actually, it was the Chris Salcedo show. But um, he said, and he played this clip from NPR where this um, very learned, intelligent man wrote this um, thing on politics. And he goes, well, of course, you know, you've got the sophisticated people in the city and then you've got the um the backwards people in the country and you know and 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 they're trying and 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 other politicians have said that too so there's another division city country how about gender women versus men if you are an old white man you are a target because they don't want you they don't want to hear what you have to say because you're an old white man. There's no respect anymore for the elderly. Right beneath the old white man is the old white woman. You know, they don't want to respect. 
the age, there's the age division. You know, young is good. Young is wise. We've got, you know, we've got to let our, our teenagers lead us, you know, and it's like their brains aren't even formed yet. You know, 25, 25 years old before those brains start connecting up. But yet there's the, this whole division the devil has created and he's wreaked havoc in our churches because of these divisions. And we can't be ignorant to his devices anymore. And we have to say that we're going to lay it down. In Colossians 3.11, it says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, okay, neither black nor white, circumcision nor uncircumcision, um, neither rich nor poor, barbarians, Scythians, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. And we have to wise up in the body of Christ and see that this isn't, this not from God for us to be divided. And we have to be big people. When somebody has, comes to us and said, you know, you, you know, what did you mean by that when you said that? We have to be big people. And we have to stop gossiping about one another. And we have to put the things that are in the past in the past. And how we have to stop doing what we've been doing and start seeing the um, assignment for the enemy to keep us out of fellowship with one another. There's not one person in this room that God didn't create. He's not looking down and saying, Clarence Dalrymple, where did he come from? Well, maybe he was one of them alien ones that came in from the spaceship. There's not one person in this room that's not created by God. Amen? Colossians 3, he's got all this wisdom for us. And he puts it in the Bible because he knows what human nature is like after the fall. Even though we're born again, we're still fighting that human nature. Yes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But because of our background, because of our spiritual maturity, some of us are are more mature than others because we've just laid more things down and we've been hungry and we've been more obedient and some of us are lagging behind and we have to be conscious of where people are spiritually. It says those who are spiritual to restore people, you don't leave restoration to somebody who's immature. Amen? That was not what I was going to say. But let's go back to Colossians. In verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And when we read that list, it's not for your neighbor. That's for you. Amen? Forbearing one another. That's not for your neighbor. That's for you. And forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God, which rule in your heart, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you were called in one body, and be ye thankful. So he's got some good advice on people, how to have your people skills, forbearing one another. You know, if you've got a, a if you've got a tongue that you just can't help gossiping about it, stop. 
Because where there's no talebearer, all right, where the the wood. Let me just get that scripture. Proverbs twenty six twenty. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife cease. If we don't have a talebearer, guess what? The strife ceases. But we don't use that as a tool against people because if you've got a problem, then you need to go to somebody. But see, those it's so easy to take scripture and twist it to what you want it to say. But if you're offended, you need to go to that person. But we all need to pledge that we're going to be safe people, that we can go to one another. Amen? We have to be safe people. And is this going to happen in one service? Well, I don't know. God can do miracles. I don't think it's going to happen in one service. I think it happens over a period of time as we see who we are and where our maturity level is. I think it happens over a period of time. But it can start tonight where we decide as a congregation, as a group of people here, that we're going to be a group of safe people. We're not going to gossip. We're not going to think ill of somebody's motives. We're not going to do that thing because we've just decided we're going to love people. Amen? Because he said, and he said we can do it, forbearing one another. We can do this. We need to forgive. And forgiveness is a process. It's not a one-time thing. Forgiveness is we make a decision with our mind tonight that we're going to forgive. And this church has been through a lot. I'm just using this church as an example because this is where we are, right? This church has been through some pretty bad things over the years. And people have built up walls. And the way we let those walls down is we do it with the people that are in this room here. So we make a conscious decision that we're going to forgive. Our mind says that. Or no, our heart says that first. In our heart, we decide we're going to forgive. Now we've started on the process of walking that out. And it's going to take time. Unless you have, like I said, and God can just breathe on us all. And we'd become forgiving, loving, wonderful group of people. That's how I see all of you anyways. They're forgiving, loving, wonderful, because nobody said anything bad about anybody else since we've gotten here. I mean, it has been a beautiful situation with all the stuff that you've been through. People have been really, really considerate and kind toward one another. And I want you to know that. So just so you think, well, you know, they've already told the preacher, you know, no, they haven't. So you can just relax. Let your emotions have to have time to catch up to what your mind and your or what your heart has decided. I'm going to forgive, and now I'm going to walk this out. I'm going to let my emotions see emotional. In Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? You know, your heart is wicked. Your heart is like that toddler that wants. They want their own way. Yes, they want to stick their finger in the socket. They don't care what the consequences are because they're toddlers. And sometimes our emotions can be toddlers that we just want our own way and we're not going to stop until we get it. Well, that's an area we have to work on then. 
Because it says forbearing one another. Be kind to one another. And then we have to learn how to have healthy boundaries. If somebody's offended you, it doesn't necessarily mean you go right back into that relationship again. It's like if somebody borrows money from you and they never pay it back. You don't just keep giving them money. Amen? Right? You have to set up a healthy boundary. But this is where I think we fall down as a church because we think, well, we have to forgive them and then we have to get immediately back into relationship with them. And then that fails. So we put the bricks up again. We start building those bricks and say, well, you know, I tried and it doesn't work, but that's not true. It does work. But we have to have a time of healing. You have to have a time of restoration. And then as you're working on it and you're praying for that person and hopefully that person, I mean, do you recognize when somebody has a problem with you? I mean, can we be honest here? It's a small group, but can I have a show of hands on how many people recognize when somebody has a problem with you? Okay. So we recognize that. And we we might as well just get it out. Listen, the more honest we are here, the more healing we're going to get. It's like when the doctor asks you, are you taking anything? And you don't want to tell them about that over-the-counter stuff you've been taking for a month. Or your vitamins or, you know, so the doctor can't help you because you're not being totally honest. So the more honest we are with ourselves, and this is a safe house because I didn't take a show of hands. I didn't have my camera and click and say, okay, everybody with their hands up can recognize that. But we learn, we we have to go step by step. We can't just say, all right, you know, I forgive you, so I'm going to get back in a relationship with you. No, you have to test the waters. Um, Some people, you're going to have to love from afar for a while until God does a working in your heart. Because there's been years of offenses, years of bitterness, years of things. And this is just step one, amen? Just step one. God's going to take us through that process. And then we're going to learn to have healthy boundaries. A lot of the problems that we get into are our own doing. Because, we, you know, a lot of times we don't confront people. If you're like me, I, I'm pretty non-confrontational. I don't like confrontation. I'll do it if my back's up against the wall and there's no other way to go, then I'll confront. So I tend to just stuff it because of my family background. I'm getting better at that. But And then there's other people that just go wildly crazy. So we have to learn how to have healthy boundaries. We have to learn how to how to be healthier people spiritually and, and emotionally. Because we don't want the devil to rule. We want to have unity in this house. And we need to declare it. We want to have unity. Every time somebody says something about somebody about somebody in this church, let your mind come back to we want to have unity. That's not, you know, it should be like danger, danger, Will Smith, danger, you know, unity, unity disruptor, unity disruptor. You know, if you want to say something evil, you know, maybe we should have one of those buttons. Nah. (laughs) You know, somebody comes up to us about somebody else. Nah. You know, we can't hear. 
It says, I appeal to you in Romans 12, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, it's not easy, and this isn't what the flesh wants to do, because we want to have our own way. We want to vindicate ourselves. We want to do our own thing. It says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. See, that's the way the world lives. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what that is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Right? That's where the problem comes in a lot of times is we think highly of ourselves and not of other people. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then later on down in the um, chapter, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. I don't ever want to have cliques in this church. I don't ever want people to feel like they've been separated or they don't belong with people. We've got to be people that can mingle with everybody that comes into the congregation. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's a command. But you'll notice he said, if possible, and so far as it depends on you. So we've got the other person is in on it. But you can have peace because you just don't have to hook up with their drama. And I don't mean the drama queen. <laughs> not mean that. This is not a service about Shirley. I love her and she's a very precious. <laughs> but as far as it depends on you, live peaceably. So if somebody comes with you with a piece of junk, you don't have to get all riled and upset and oh what are we going to do what are we going to do live peaceably make a choice to live peaceably amen clarence and i are never we're, we're never going to be on blood pressure medicine or have ulcers or anything like that we live peaceably we put our heads down on the pillow while he's out first but you know we live peaceably we're not letting the problems or somebody else's junk or whatever affect us. We make a conscious decision. We're going to live peaceably. You know, and somebody said, well, the church isn't growing. Well, the church is growing. Actually, if you look around from when we started till now, we've actually doubled our attendance. And we're continuing to grow. And I'm not ashamed of this church. I go in the community and I'm proud of this church. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then he says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, don't get into the whirlpool. If there's an atmosphere like that, you don't have to get into it. But God... We'll take care of those things. It says, vengeance is mine. And we've seen it so many times in our own lives. We've seen things get taken care of by God. You know, he's our vindicator. A while ago, when I was going through a situation, 
and I wanted to take care of it myself. Anybody ever been there? And I really was going to make a fool of myself if I took care of it. It was really a bad situation, and I would have, I would have, let's say I would have, um, I would have given credence to what was being said. But I, and I had to step back and I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm really upset. I want to do something. And the Lord immediately gave me this. I wish I had it in the Amplified, but I have it in the King James. And this is um, Psalm 5, verse 11 and 12. First of all, the whole Psalm, if you read it, it's pretty good. God favors not the wicked is what it says in my King James. And it's like, oh, I want to read that. And so then I read, but in 11 and 12, and I've, I've given this to so many people who have come to me for help when they've wanted to, you know, literally strangle somebody. It says, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Thou will compass him about as with a shield. And that situation, the day that there was going to be something happening, I was compassed about by angel. I wasn't even aware of what was going on that day. So if we take it to God and say, God, I'm upset and I'm going to do something, God will give you, he'll quicken your spirit and he'll help you to get through that situation. And he's going to give you steps and we're going to learn boundaries and we're going to learn things because in unity is when this church is going to grow because we're going to be in unity and people want to come through the door. They've they've had it with the world. I mean, if you just look at the news for 10 minutes, who wants to be here? Amen. I mean, honestly, if if there was if the rapture happened tomorrow or right now, who would be disappointed to leave this world with all the stuff going on and the chaos? I certainly wouldn't be disappointed. But look at this. Now, I'm going to just leave you with this and I'm going to hand it with my to my husband. But it says in Philippians 1, 27 and 28, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. As we stand side by side in unity, we give the devil a black eye. And we stand, and it's a clear sign to him of his destruction, but a clear sign of our salvation from God. As we stand shoulder to shoulder with people that have annoyed us, that have bothered us, that we have put walls up against, that we have hated, that we have said ugly things to, that if we get over that and we stand side by side, it's a clear sign to the devil of his destruction, that his his plan of getting Division has failed. Amen? So I'm going to leave. i got lots of stuff here, but we may have to come back and do this again. I appreciate all of you so much. This is a wonderful church. And this church has got a good atmosphere. You're hungry for God. I love coming here. I love being a part of it. I get such joy every day. I wake up and it's like it's it's just a happy It's a happy thing for me. So I appreciate your time and I appreciate you listening today. Well.
that's the word. Amen. Claudine and Pat, could y'all come to the Pat Mullen? Could you come to the piano and Claudine up here on the organ? Praise God. How, how many got anything out of that tonight? You know, you know, in ministry, I've been in ministry 53 years now, and and uh, you know, the thing is, you hear all kinds of stories. Everybody's got a story. How many knows everybody's got a story? And uh, a lot of times we blame God for things. We may not realize we're blaming God, but we blame God. I know I've seen couples blame God for their marriage not making it, or I've seen uh, I've seen people blame God because of a loss of a loved one. We can't blame God, Amen. Because we know that God's got His our life in His hands. He's got it under control. Praise the Lord. But you know, tonight, I want you to just let the searchlight go in your heart. And if there, you know, you can be mad at God and not even realize you're mad at God sometimes. We don't need to be mad at God. Amen. And we don't need to be mad at each other by no means. Amen. Because we're, we're one in the Lord. And tonight, I want us to just shut our eyes before the Lord for just a moment. And, you know, you, you have to turn the searchlight on your soul, on your heart. Um, I mean, I, 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 I could even, on my wife, Pat, I could say, this is an area you need to work on, Pat, you know. Or she could say, vice versa, the same thing. But what God wants us to turn the searchlight on our souls and let God look inside our heart. Because you know what I've learned about God? He knows our motives. He sees us clean through. Amen. My dad sang a song. And you know that song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. You, you know that one, Sister Claudine, Have Thine Own Way. Amen. I, I want us just to, I, I want to just play through that song. And, and I want you, if you know the verse to that, would you sing it with me? Amen. And let's sing it to the Lord. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me, Lord, just like you. I am the one, Lord, have thine. Now, I've told this story here before, but my dad was going through a real trial in his ministry and the church where he was. My dad was one of those that didn't talk about it. You know, how many, some of you gentlemen out there, I, I know you don't want nobody to ever see you cry. There's something that's a manly thing, right? We just don't want somebody to see us cry. But my dad was that way. He didn't want nobody to see him crying. I remember one Thursday afternoon, I was I got out of school early, and I used to go down to the church. I was a youth pastor, and I'd play the guitar and piano a little bit, and and just pray. And I saw my dad's car there, and I I went into the auditorium and I, I I heard him back there praying so I said well I won't disturb him I'll just sit up here on the platform didn't turn the lights on or anything I just sit there in the dark 
And I heard my dad, and I didn't hear this often, but he was just sobbing. Sounded like he was just brokenhearted. He was just sobbing. Just sobbing from everything within him. And I just, I started weeping with him, you know, because I'd never seen my dad weep. Never seen him really weep and sob. Now, he was always touched by people's problems and, and things, but he, I never saw him weep. But that day he was weeping his, like he was heartbroken. And they'd been going through some things at the church. And I heard my dad, now my dad couldn't sing a lick, but you know when God's in it, you can sing. <laughs> but he was singing this song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And then all of a sudden, he went off into a brand new verse I'd never heard. I'd never heard this verse. And he started singing it just like this. He said, God up in heaven, you hear my cry. You know my heart, Lord. You watch with your eye you know my motives you see me clean through mold me and make me Lord just like you now I want us tonight shut our eyes and let that searchlight go in your heart for just a minute. And I want us to sing that chorus together. It says, God up in heaven. See, God hears your cry. You hear my cry. You know my heart, Lord. You watch with your eyes. You know my motive, you see clean through, mold me and make me, Lord, just like you. They play that softly. I want you to just reach down into your heart tonight. You know, we can't take the stuff out of you, but you have to give it to the Lord. You have to just submit it to Him. And if there's been any hurts and wounds, which I'm sure all of us have had those. But you know how you know when you're being healed, when you can think on that thing that happened and it doesn't hurt you no more. And you pray for that other individual. And you pray for them with love. But let's let the Lord just turn that searchlight. And I want you tonight to just let God take that thing out of our heart. Maybe you blame God for some things in your life. Maybe you blame God for some things that's happened. A loss of a loved one or a marriage that failed or, or you know, many things. You, you can blame God. You know, my first wife passed away January 2009. I didn't think that I would 
go through any problems. But you know what I found out? I found out there was something festering on the inside of me. I went out to the graveyard one day and I had it out with God. At nine months, I just, I, I just, I, I was just in, in, a, in an area where I needed God to bring healing in my spirit, but I didn't know exactly what to do. So I went out to the graveyard. And I got out there at the graveyard and I just lifted my voice to the Lord. I said, God, I've had it. <laughs> How many's ever wanted to quit? How many's ever wanted to just throw it away? I'm a human. And what we preach to you, we've been through it already. And I went out there and I just, I, I screamed at the top of, I lost my voice. God, why? 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 She believed you. And she did. But you know what? When God told her she was going home, the peace of God was there. See, God has the expiration date on all of us tonight. And you know what? When it's our time, God can give you that assurance and that peace. She called me in that room that day, two weeks before she passed, and she said, I'm going home. The Lord told me I'm going home. I started crying. She said, don't cry. She said, listen, that's going to be the happiest day of my life. That's what we live for. That's what it's all about. Going home to the Lord. And then she prophesied. She said, God's going to give you another wife. And she's going to be as good and enhance this ministry as much or more than I ever did. And she's sitting right there and you heard her tonight. Amen. But I didn't accept it at that point. I didn't even... We hadn't even thought about getting together after nine months, and and until I moved up to Massachusetts, and and then she did act like she didn't want to, and then I had to persuade her. But you know what the Lord did that day after I got done, I, I just fell at the foot of the tree. I was just exhausted. <laughs> but I got up from there with the assurance. God spoke to my spirit said, I know what I'm doing. Don't try to change my plans. See, God's got His plans for our life. Amen? But I had to get that out of my system. Sometimes you've got to get things out of your system. That's why this morning when I was preaching, if someone's going through a grieving process, you let them grieve. They've got to grieve. They've got to get that out of their system. Don't take that away from anybody. Let them grieve. Because then the healing comes. God brings that healing salve. That balm of Gilead. That oil of joy that He puts in our spirit and in our heart. I can look back on that day now and I can rejoice. Because I know where she is in the Lord. You can look back on your problem in your trial tonight and you can say, Lord, I'm leaving it at your feet. I'm letting your healing power, your healing bomb come in my spirit. God will touch our minds, our heart, and He'll touch our relationships.
And you'll be surprised at the relationship with each other, how to be changed. Praise God. So I want us tonight, I want you to just shut your eyes. Take that thing. Take that hurt. Take that wound. Take that thing the devil's magnified in your, in your heart and in your eyes. Just take it and say, devil, I'm not going to receive this. I'm not going to receive it. I'm going to let God heal my heart tonight. I'm going to let Him take all of the garbage out and put His love in and the joy and the peace of God. That's what God's wanting to do. So tonight, let's just do it. Would you just lift your hands and just as a surrender to the Lord and just say, Lord, fill me, <laughs> cleanse me, heal me, take it out. I lay it at your feet. Lord, thank you for your healing power. Spiritual healing. Emotional healing. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh God, up in heaven, you hear my cry. You know my heart, Lord. You watch with your eyes. Oh, you know my motives. You see me clean through. Mold me and make me, Lord, just like you. Take that person's hand next to you. You know, the Bible said we, we're in unity together. Joining hands is just a sign of that unity. Embracing each other is just a sign of that unity. Just let the unity, let the unity of God flow in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank You for this body. We thank You for all of these people here tonight. Those that's watching by Facebook Live, Father, just let the Spirit of God Go right through into their homes and wherever they might be watching together tonight. Let the Holy Spirit just begin to minister to their hearts. Minister your peace supernaturally. And Lord, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Did you get anything out of this tonight? I tell you what, I believe that God is healed. He's the healer. Praise the Lord. And you said Sister uh, Valentine had a poem. Did you bring her bring one? Would you would you come get this and just take it back to her? Now this is a poem that she wrote. Oh, she wrote one now. She has. Is this on? It is on. Okay, this is the one Anne gave me. It's called Heaven's Grocery Store. I was walking down my highway a long time ago 
One day I saw a sign that read, Heaven's Grocery Store. As I got a little closer, the door came open wide. When I came to myself, I was standing inside. I saw a host of angels. They were standing everywhere. One handed me a basket and said, My child, shop with care. Everything a Christian needed was in that grocery store. All that you could carry, couldn't carry, you could come back the next day for more. First, I got some patience. Love was in the same role. Further down was understanding. You need that everywhere you go. I got a box or two of wisdom, a bag or two of faith. I just couldn't miss the Holy Ghost, for it was all over the place. I stopped to get some strength and courage to help me run the race. By then, my basket was getting full, but I remembered I needed some grace. I didn't forget salvation, for salvation was free, so I tried to get enough of that to save both you and me. Then I started up to the counter to pay my grocery bill, for I thought I had everything to do my master's will. As I went to the aisle, I saw a prayer, and I just had to put that in, for I knew that for I knew when I stepped outside, I would run into sin. Peace and joy were plentiful. They were on the last shelf. Song and praises were hanging near, so I just helped myself. Then I said to the angel, Now how much do I owe? He just smiled and said, Just take them everywhere you go. Again I smiled at him and said, How much do I really owe? He smiled again and said, My child, Jesus paid your bill a long time ago. Here, Ann. This is the one the Lord gave me in January. I call it a broken heart. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny. We couldn't even praise him. We nailed him to the tree. He came to the earth as a baby. He went to the cross as a man. The people cried, crucify him, crucify him. And they watched as he writhed in pain. They didn't realize the blood that would run down the cross would wash away sin stain. He looked at them with compassion. You could see the love on his face the most. And he cried, Father, forgive them. And then he gave up the ghost. It wasn't from the nails in his hands and his feet or from the wound in his side, but it was from a broken heart that my Savior died. Praise God. (laughs) That was good. Give her a good hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, God is so good. And uh, it's just good to have everybody here. We've got a good meal out here, some snacks and food and desserts and all the stuff you don't need, but it's good for us anyway every once in a while. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, you know what, we're proud of Aubrey Faith Assembly. We're proud of the ones that God... Listen, you're the remnant that God's left here. And the remnant is the seed 
and the seed's going to produce. And I thank God. Listen, the church, it looked like it may be going in decline, but we're a part of the remnant. And this remnant is going to see a revival and see a move of God in this last day. And I, I'm thankful for the talent and the gifts. And I'll tell you what, um, I have seen the talent improve since I've been here. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. And uh, we're, we're thankful for what God's doing. And uh, we, we, you know, we're going to, next month we're going to get back to the same um, schedule or program, you know, where we have the singing uh, the last Sunday night of every uh, of the month. And so come prepared. Amen? Come prepared. Brother Chalk might sing us a special, you know, come prepared. <laughs> or maybe Brother Kruger and him will do a special together. I don't know, a duet. <laughs> Praise God. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Praise God. Isn't God good? Amen. Praise God. Do you know that course, I Feel Good? You know that one? You know that one, I Feel I feel Good? Yeah. Oh, well, well let's just... I mean, uh, Paul, Paul will help lead us out on that. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Just to know I've been redeemed makes me feel good. Well, I feel good. Yes, I feel good. Just to know that I've been redeemed makes me feel good. And I'm going to stand and sing and take it up. Hallelujah. I feel everybody sing it to the Lord. Well I feel good. Yes, I feel good. Just to know that I'm redeemed makes me feel good. Well I feel good. Yes, I feel good. Just to know that I've been redeemed makes now turn that person next to you and say, I feel good. Well I feel good. I feel good. Just to know that being redeemed makes me feel good. Well, I feel good. I feel good. Just to know I've been redeemed makes me feel good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and just, and we'll pray for the food now. That way, when you get out there, you can just dive in. Like my daddy said, pull back your ears and just dive in, you know. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to do that tonight. And, and Father, we just thank You because You've been with us in this service. And we thank You, Lord, for the anointing that we have witnessed. And, Lord, the results of that anointing in our hearts and lives. And we thank You, Father, that Your peace rules and umpires everything in our lives. Now, Father, as we go out to the fellowship hall, we thank You for the food. We sanctify it and bless it in the name of Jesus. And we just thank You for a great time of fellowship tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.